for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. All right, starting a little bit late this week because we wanted to see who the final four was for the men's field and to get things set. We're closer to opening weekend of baseball. I'm excited. I got a day job again. It's working for a baseball team. It's just a little bit above the level of George Costanza's uh, assistant to the traveling secretary to the Yankees <laughs> in Seinfeld. Uh, but there's exciting things going on within the birdcage uh, with the Canaries that uh, we'll be rolling out here and talking about on this podcast. We're already talking about some of those things on my other podcast, Inside the Birdcage. But uh, we're, we're getting excited for baseball because it's opening weekend. And that includes the Twins, and Zim wrote a big Twins season opening uh, column today in the Yargus, and we'll get to that. And I kind of wanted to start with Sunshine Matt, because I just got back from uh, another day working at the ballpark. I got my, I poured myself in a, an IPA and a nice frosty mug and uh, to do this podcast with you. And, what are you uh, wearing on your head? That's what am what I, I want to know. What am I wearing on my head? Nothing. Why? You, you don't even, uh, never mind. Ten foot, no, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> Don't, no, don't never mind me. If you're never minding me, you're never minding the audience. What are you talking about? Our, le- our listeners will get the joke. You didn't. It went over your bald head. That's fine. But Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm bald. <laughs> There's a Seinfeld reference right there. She's bald, Jerry. You're bald. Okay. I was bald. Um, all right. I have... Whatever. Uh, but instead, we're going to start with the darkness because it is a big topic. And I actually want to I want to combine the big local topic here of the Dakota marker game between two of the best college football teams in the country, which happen to share the border, NDSU and South Dakota State. National championship implications, as always, late in the season. And, of course, that game is uh, the can's been kicked down the road to April 7th. And you want to get people to pay attention, pay attention to, to, to college football and get a little more excited or fired up about it than just take away their game or kick the can down the road because of coronavirus. And uh, before uh, I'm going to hand the baton to you for as long as you want to go here, I'm going to combine the fact that that has happened. Uh, Mike McFeely in the Fargo Forum writing after the Bison had to cancel their game with USD on Saturday because of a p- p- positive tests in the Bison program, not USD chickening it out, chickening out. Uh, that he suggests, let's just let's just fuck it, fuck it, fuck the season for the FCS. Kim Mulkey, the Baylor coach on the other side, after a heavyweight bout with UConn the other night, um, says that uh, the men's and women's Final Four should do away with coronavirus testing and just uh, let the teams play if there's if there's even if there's even only one case um, because she doesn't we can't deprive the nation of uh, of that event. I might be packing too much into in the one there, but they all seem to coincide. Where should we be at on these matters? Um, I think Kim Mulkey just wants UConn to die. It's essentially what she's trying to pull, right? <laughs> ah, well, what, what does she care now that they've already beaten them? It's, she right. should, she she should have thought of this before they played them. We're not in the national championship, so stop testing so our rivals can die of COVID. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what, what her uh, okay. MO is. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think anyone's surprised that the Jacks game got canceled after what happened the week before in Vermillion. 
Um, and it, it's definitely starting to create a sense of foreboding. I mean, I think everyone can kind of feel that. It's like, what's what's going on here? Because, you know, the argument against canceling the season, I guess, that has been made by a few FCS observers and a lot of Jacks fans is, why, you know, why are we overreacting to this? We all knew this was going to happen. You know, we knew going into a season amidst the pandemic in the spring that there were going to be postponements and cancellations because we saw it, obviously, in the fall season with FBS college football. That, on its surface, kind of makes sense. The problem is it's kind of trending in the wrong direction. You know, I think we all kind of thought maybe coming out of the winter months, it was, you know, the season started in February, it was still cold, um, you know, a vaccine was still you know, not as available as it is now, you know, I think we all kind of thought if anything, it would be rough early and it would get better as the weather improved, as, you know, more people got vaccinated, yada, yada, yada. Well, it's kind of going in the opposite direction. It's getting worse. Now we're seeing multiple cancellations every week. It's hard not to feel like this isn't going to reach a point where everyone is like, you know, it's just not worth it anymore or it's not safe anymore or whatever it is. Um, and I, you know, I, 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 I don't, I, I'd love to be able to say this is what I think is going to happen or, or this is what should happen. And I don't really have an answer on either one of them. Um, selfishly, I kind of hope they keep playing because I don't want to cover high school track for the rest of the spring. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it definitely, I, the, the only thing that bugs me about McFeely's take is he seems to just be like, I think this is dumb. So cancel it. Like, I don't hear him coming at it from the standpoint of like, this isn't safe. He's just kind of saying this is a fake season. This is a joke of a season. Whoever wins is going to have an asterisk next to it. Well, that's not so. I mean, that, that was like, like the comparison I have made over and over again on this podcast and other places is it's just like the baseball season we just had, Major League Baseball in 2020. You know, it was a 60-game season. The World Series was played at a neutral site. A lot of players opted out. It was, you know, it was not what we're used to, but it was still better than nothing. And the, the Los Angeles Dodgers certainly aren't, you know, going to turn over their world series rings to anybody else you know it's that's what we got in 2020 and that's kind of what we're dealing with here this is what we get as far as fcs football in 2020 2021 um but again it's it, it, it's it's trending in the wrong direction and i don't know why necessarily especially because sdsu they have they've had no positive tests since the season started um both of the games that they've had canceled it was because their opponent couldn't play um, you would think North Dakota State, of all programs, would be one that would, you know, do everything they could. And they probably have done everything they could. I'm not trying to criticize them or anything. Um, but it's a little surprising that they're the team now that's had to bail out twice. And, you know, you look at it, we talked a couple weeks ago about when Illinois State bailed, like, is USD going to bail too? Because, you know, they're obviously out of the playoff picture. Um, and m m my stance was, well, USD can't do that because – you know, just think what it would, the, the, the optics, essentially, yeah. you know, how, how bad it would look for them to chicken out, essentially, of playing the Jackrabbits, sure, but, you know, NDSU, too. Well, USD has not done that. They've shown no indication that they have interest in doing that. But now the worm has almost turned a little bit to where now you kind of look at it and go, why would USD play? You know, all these games are getting canceled. We're down to the end of the season. And <laughs> what's the point? You know, I mean, SDSU's got that game left. And, NDSU, the, that game's been rescheduled. Does anyone think it's going to happen in two weeks? I mean, maybe, um, but it's just, you know, it just, it, it, it's all falling apart. And everyone keeps, that that's involved in the decision, whether it's coaches, players, uh, you know, league commissioners, NCAA officials, we all keep hearing, like, it's, it's full go. You know, we're still 100% committed. 
that's all fine and good. That doesn't mean anything. You know, these are not people that tell you the truth, essentially. Usually, you know, it's like they're going to keep lying to us until the very minute where, where the actual decision is being made. I think behind the scenes, there's a lot of discussions being had about, can we keep doing this? Is it worth it to keep doing this? I think a lot of people probably look at it and go, if we just banged it right now, canceled the season right here today on March 31st, April 1st, you could still look at it as a success. You know, the Jacks got five games in. A bunch of other teams got six. Um, that's, you know, half of a real season. And, uh, again, it's better than zero. The NSIC teams got zero games in. Um, you know, the Jackrabbits got to find out that Mark Gronowski is their quarterback of the future, uh, that Isaiah Davis is an outstanding running back who's going to supplant Pierre Strong. Um, lots of teams got to do things like that. So it, it, I, I just won't be surprised with anything that happens, but what is going to happen I don't know. And so, as I said in a, a tweet the other day, like, I, I certainly don't want everything to get canceled, but it just doesn't look good. And I think the next week, the next two weeks, well, obviously, because that's basically the end of the regular season, um, are going to be very critical. We're probably going to know in the next couple of weeks if, if we're going to get an actual FCS playoffs or not. Well, what, what I want to know, and I don't think there's the answer to this right now, no one knows the answer because nobody knows – uh, literally on a game day, if there's going to be a, a positive test or two that's going to cancel a game, like, I mean, they were ready to go. Every, they were in hotel rooms and people were ready in Vermilion. Mike McFeely and who flew on the whatever company plane, he flew uh, to uh, to Vermilion from Fargo for to cover the game. Uh, but the team was already there. I mean, they were ready to go. Um, this can happen. Obviously, this can happen for any game that is still scheduled uh, in the FCS season. That includes the playoff game. So, is at what point is have we drawn a line in the sand that says this is too close to the beginning of next season to uh, continue and finish this season? Because this kind of thing could happen. Uh, in the morning of any playoff game, if we make it to the playoffs, it could happen on the morning of the national championship game. If we have a national championship game and you got all, you know, if it's North Dakota state, you know, as long depending on how many fans they let in the stands in, in that stadium in Frisco, Texas, that, that's where they're playing it. Right. As they usually yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, you're going to, you're going to make everybody, all the fans who travel down there, just go home uh, or, or, or wait a week to play the game again because to me that collides with what we, we we've been talking about since the start of this bizarre season uh in the spring which is i since it's never been done like this before we don't really know how much time these athletes bodies need to recover from mm -hmm. playing real games in the spring uh, they have normally had eight months. If you played in a bowl game, you have eight months to your next first game. Uh, and if this thing ends in mid-April, or I guess I mean, if the Jackson Bison are playing till April seventh, then we're looking at what the season's gonna. We is there is the national championship game scheduled for a certain date now? Or they? Just, I think it's May twenty fourth, twenty fifth, something like that. All right, so these guys will only, and and we're talking about the t only the teams that make it. Obviously, the 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 longer we go, the fewer the the fewer teams will have the least amount of time to recover. I know that was weird, oddly worded, but it, it, the the three months that the, the, the teams the better you play, the harder it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. The you go right, uh, and, and and well, that's relevant because uh, North Dakota State and South Dakota State are two teams that will 
probably be in the top 10 and in the national championship discussion this fall. <laughs> and the fact that they, I, they or whoever makes it to the Final Four and, and national championship game, I would say even the Elite Eight of the FCS football playoffs, you're, you're going to wonder like how much of a residual effect of going that far that late will have an impact on next season, which here's the part I will agree with with McFeely is this is a bit of an asterisk season. Next season does matter more because it's a real season that should have a full slate in the fall. I mean, we can't predict that there won't be coronavirus cancellations for games this fall, but there's a chance that a lot more people will be vaccinated and the, the chances of these sort of things happening will decrease significantly. Uh, as you said, we thought we would have hit that point now, and we clearly have not. Um, so th- that to me is just how, how, how much is it worth it to keep going when we look at how much closer we're getting to next year and is, is an extra week after May 24th too long, or two extra weeks. Um, I'm guessing that's something that they're deciding because, um, you know, you don't want your team to go into the season. How much more banged up are you going into the season? If you finished your spring season, May 24th or April 16th, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how much that matters. Well, and it's not just how banged up you are. It's also the recovery time from serious injuries. I mean, we've talked a lot about, yeah, just the, the cumulative punishment that football leaves on a body, but just use Jabore Gibbs as an example. Um, it appears, and I don't know, they haven't given me an official diagnosis, but it appears he tore his other ACL now. Um, it took him how – the first one happened in October oh. of 2019, and it was such a long recovery for him – that he was not ready to come back a full year later. Um, He was still feeling the effects in the spring, which affected his ability to compete for the starting quarterback job. Not to take anything away from Mark Gronowski. He won the job by outplaying the other guys. But that's in part because Jabore was still not 100%, what, you know, 15 months, 16 months after his torn ACL. Well, now if he tore his other one or whatever the injury was, Stig just told me very serious knee injury. Um, There's, you know, if that happens in the third game of the year on a normal calendar, okay, he's probably out for the rest of that season, but then he can probably come back the next year. Now, because of how this calendar has worked out, Jabore does indeed have that serious of a knee injury. He's obviously out for the rest of the spring, whatever that means. It might be over, we, you know, whatever. But now he's out for 2021, too. He's not going to be able to play for this entire upcoming fall season. So he will now have essentially missed two entire years of football. Um, that could be really hard for him to come back for, whether it's at South Dakota State or anywhere else. I mean, his career has, you know, hit some very serious roadblocks uh, through injury. And obviously, you know, acute injuries like that are, are always going to be a part of the game. And, and I'm not saying that you – those are the ones you don't even really try to prevent. You just know that guys are going to tear their ACLs. They're going to tear their Achilles. They're going to suffer, you know, these kind of torn pectorals, things that – those major injuries that keep you out for a long time. We've talked so much about – the, the cumulative injuries, the ones that, you know, guys just the wear and tear and guys' bodies getting beat up. That's, that's, we all understand that that's a thing. And like you said, we don't know really how a, a player's body will respond to that short of recovery time because no one's ever been asked to do it before. Um, but if enough guys have suffered these injuries, like the ones I'm talking about with Jabore Gibbs, that's where it becomes a problem too, where it's like, geez, you know, these guys end up throwing away a full season so they could try and participate in this this half season, this COVID season. I mean, some people have used the word fake season, asterisk season, whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, you know, that's another thing that's been thrown into it. And I, you know, if you're John Stiglmeyer, you're looking at it right now going, 
okay, if we can win a national championship this spring, which the Jacks are clearly capable of doing, mm-hmm. they might be the best team in FCS football. They're certainly right up there. So there's that. That's very tempting to say, you know, throw caution to the wind and do everything we can to try and win that because they've never won one. It's a big deal. And like I said, compared it to the L.A. Dodgers of 2020, put an asterisk on it if you want. Go ahead. The Jacks are never going to apologize if they win that national championship. But what if you don't? And what if, you know, not only do you lose Jaboria Gibbs, but what if, you know, in the next couple of weeks, two or three other, you know, key players, or not even key, just any players, suffer major injuries that not only end their spring season, but wipe them out for the upcoming fall 21 season. Then you start looking at it and going, was this worth it? Was it a good thing we did this? No one will, and, and I think we both understand, and everyone in the media understands, the players and coaches are going to tell us it's worth it no matter what. You know, no one's going to say, like, yeah, we shouldn't have done that because – that's part of just the machismo of football. We're all supposed to talk about how, you know, you play no matter what, you never quit, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, this is a, obviously a really unique scenario. And depending on how it turns out, I think there's a lot of people who, if they look at it objectively, will say, yeah, I don't know if that was worth it. Maybe they shouldn't have done that. It doesn't feel like a real season to me. And at the same time, I think, okay, but most years we know who the best eight or ten teams in the country are. And for FCS, you know, mm-hmm. um, and we know that's who, usually all the how many the only that's about how many good ones there are. Exactly. Really, about it, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the Jacks are kind of in the mix there. Uh, obviously, it's North Dakota State, James Madison. Who else are the usual suspects? Eastern Washington. SDSU is um, probably those are the top two, and more often than not, SDSU is three. Yeah. And maybe there's a few more, like big boy college football. There's like three teams every year, the Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and, and somebody else. And that's, I mean, we all, everybody kind of just knows, like, go ahead and play all the games and play the conference championship games. And if you want to expand the playoff field to eight, I'm all for that. I think they should. Um, but, uh, or, or 16, go ahead. But we, we, we know who the, you know, I mean, we know who they are. And FCS knows who they are. So, I mean, if you just, I mean, if you just said, what if they just said right now? Okay, let's, guys, let's just have a meeting. Have some, have some sort of committee like they have for the college uh, football playoff for uh, talking about shortening the playoff the, field again. Uh, that or just sitting down. Yes, that or just everybody a committee <laughs> sitting down and saying, "Come on, we know we know who the teams who are capable of winning a national championship are. Let's just start the playoffs right now. Let's determine the sixteen teams right now, and let's go." Or even yeah. or, or yes, eight. Let's just slim it to eight. But of course, records because different teams have played a different number of games. Some teams' hardest games, I'm sure, have been uh, canceled or postponed or haven't been played yet. So I know that's a little bit of uh, throwing throwing spaghetti well, at the there's wall. There's so many there's so many problems with that because one of it is the you know the playoff field was supposed to have you know, the 10 automatic qualifiers and you kind of still have to. Okay. Um, So many of these teams agreed to come back because they were promised there's going to be a 16 team playoff field. All 10 AQs will be honored. I suppose they could cut it down to 10 and just say, all right, then there's going to be no automatic bids. It's just the 10 conference champions. But then that's going to be a completely bogus Mm. playoff field because there's obviously going to be conference champions that would be the seventh place team in the Valley or the CAA. And, and and some of these conference championships mean less because they've played fewer games and fewer teams in their conferences. Yeah. 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 So I almost think, and this wouldn't work either, but I was kind of thinking this the other day, like just call off the playoffs and let them finish the regular season, you know, because then teams could say, well, okay, there was no national champion, but, North Dakota State was the Missouri Valley champion, and James Madison was the Colonial champion, and whatever, whatever, whatever. 
But my sense is that if you take away that tournament, that playoffs, that every school is just going to go, well, then we quit. We're not going to play those last two games because why would we? And, 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 I, and I don't blame them. Those games would have nothing at stake at that point but bragging rights. I personally would still love to see, like, let's say they announce tomorrow, FCS playoffs are, are done, we're not having them, and each individual school, it's up to them if they want to play their last one or two or three regular season games, whatever it is. I would love it if SDSU and, and USD said, we're going to play. We're going to go out and have that rivalry game mm-hmm. at Dana J. Dykow Stadium and kind of a last hurrah for the 2020, the spring season, and then it's going to be over. And it sound, that sounds, in theory, like a reasonable thing to do, but if you're Bob Nielsen, you're John Stiglmeyer, you're going, you know, what if Mark Gronowski tears yes. his knee up in that in that game that didn't have anything at stake? It's an exhibition you game. Know? Exactly. You just, there are, you don't, yeah, you just, and, and so I think if that happened, everyone would just bail on it. So Yeah. And part of the point I was making about, hey, let's just determine who the 8 or 10 or 12 or whatever teams are right now and go play it, uh, is in saying that... It, it, a, a national champion would still matter. It wouldn't be, it might be an asterisk season, but I don't know if it'd be an asterisk national champion because yeah, I mean, any, well, especially anything that involves North Dakota state, we know who the big boys yeah. are. Let them play, right. let, the, let, let, let them play and get it over with. So the problem is just, you know, like I've said, and we've talked about so many times, yeah. there's five or six of the, top 20 teams in the in the country any given year in the valley, in the valley yeah. and and often four or five six of them are in the caa mm-hmm. i mean you could make an entire playoff field out of just those two and then throw in the big sky that's the big sky's lost a little bit of its uh luster i think you could say nationally but you take those three conferences those are kind of the the power three of the fcs so to speak you could make a playoff field every year in the fcs made up of just those three conferences mm-hmm. and it would probably be better and deeper than the full nationwide playoff field that we usually have. Um, I will give you an, an unenviable task, and you may hate this uh, question, but you just play the just play commissioner of FCS or whatever right now. Would you would 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 you would you call the season off or not right now? No, I would not, um, because yeah. I think it's it's not what any of the people who are involved want to do. Um, if if the coaches, the players, the athletic directors, if everyone wants to keep doing it. I don't think that there's any there's enough evidence that it's not safe and that we shouldn't be doing it. Like most of the reasons to not do it revolve around you know either money or uh, you know positional depth or just teams kind of saying the hell with it. This isn't any fun anymore. Like the teams they all have to say like well the health and safety of our student athletes is our top priority. Blah 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 blah. That's the first line of every press release. Yeah. But it doesn't really feel like that's what anyone's basing it on, you yeah. know. Illinois State said that, but then their coach was like, "We don't have enough defensive linemen or whatever the position group was." Like, mm-hmm. it was more more about injuries than co- they they attributed it to COVID, yeah. but it was injuries that sort of wiped them out. So, mm-hmm. I just it, there's no evidence to me right now that it isn't safe to keep doing it. So if everyone wants to keep doing it, then I guess go ahead and do it. I just wonder at what point the athletic directors school presidents aren't the ones who kind of step in and say this isn't worth it anymore Mm. let's not do it i guess i would say if they played it out uh, i'm willing to wait and watch sure go ahead i I think there is a little bit of an asterisk i don't think a south dakota state national championship i don't think it would mean nothing it wouldn't mean as much as if it were a traditional especially if they beat the bison on the way there yeah 
anytime if, if they're in the picture, it, it feels legit. Yeah. You know? uh, there've been, but you know, at some point they'd have to meet up with them again. There've been, I mean, there has been a year or two where they've beaten them in the regular season. And then of course lost to them in the playoffs because they had to go back to Fargo. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, uh, like it would be a legitimate national championship, but to me, not as legitimate as uh, the traditional season. And, uh, but we, we can move the we can move it forward with this. Speaking of safety, uh, and look, college football and the NFL are different things, different governing bodies with their different sets of problems and priorities. But uh, the NFL has at times in the last ten years, the NFL and anyone who covers and talks about the NFL, there's been a lot of safe there's been a lot of safety discussion the last ten years, and then today we learn. We get a 17th regular season game, and this, I'm just I'm borrowing from Dan Patrick, uh, as I heard him this morning, and it's we it's it's about time we we stop talking about safety because we we it's it's cool it's it's really good to care about it it's good to care about these people as human beings but even they you know the players are a part of this they don't have as much bargaining power as Major League Baseball or the NBA but they signed off on it as well because you know why that's another paycheck they get a little bit more money for that extra game fans get an extra game to watch and bet on the betting industry gets a whole pile of cash to make and of course all these teams and all these filthy zillionaire owners they get another game to profit off of all the ticket sales and TV deals and Everybody gets more money, and okay, safety's important, but let's never pretend that it's Pete Bell, Blue Chips, great underrated movie, Shaquille O'Neal, Penny Hardaway, Nick Nolte. It's about money, goddamn money. Like uh, the, the safety issue that we've had with helmets and concussions, and and uh, look, I, I've beaten that drum a lot when I was a sports talk radio host, uh, and fought the the hard ass old school guys who either played or didn't play, whatever. Uh, but I, I, do you agree with the that uh, – I guess we could just – if you want to isolate pro football, go ahead. But, uh, you know, safety isn't as much as a concern as anybody really truly says it is. And I don't know that it needs to be in the NFL. I mean, are constantly beating the drum about player safety in the NFL are people that hate the NFL. I mean, everyone who loves the NFL from players to – front office people to cheerleaders to fans to coaches whatever like we've all kind of made peace with what this is yeah you know we we know that these men are destroying their bodies we've seen you know the effects of cte and the the suicides and you know the soft focus features on sunday about the guys who are 45 years old and in a wheelchair walking with braces or whatever and you know we all hate that part of it we all feel bad for those people that do it but we all know that they also did it completely voluntarily and that if you asked of them, you know, 99% of them would say, yes, I'd do it all over again. Uh, if I got called and was like, you want to play quarterback for the Vikings? I'd do it. You know, I mean, that's it's just, we all know inherent risk. Um, boxing, MMA, I mean, a lot of our sports are, are dangerous by nature. And uh, that's part of the reason we love it. And it's a big reason why these people are, are highly for doing it. Uh, does the NFL critical adding another game when they talk about trying to you know players they i guess but i mean you know it's not like they're gonna take away the product you know i mean i've wondered at times in the last few years as concussions and player safety has taken more of a center stage on sort of the national debate stage like what's your end game here you know you you occasionally would hear people say like oh within 20 years there's not going to be tackle football anymore bull fucking shit 
I will bet you every dollar I've ever made in my life, football is never going anywhere. People love it. It's not being taken away. And it's an opportunity for people, too. Not just the NFL. I think how many kids out there you know, get a chance to go to school, have a college paper by playing college football. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of college football scholarships given, given out every yeah. year. You know, I mean, we're not going to take that away. It's not going anywhere. Um, should, should we do everything we can to make it safer through, you know, the rules that we enforce and the equipment that the players wear? Absolutely. Um, but the idea is being hypocritical by adding games or that they're not making sense priority. I mean, like, let's just be honest. It is what it is. We all know it. We all made peace with it. And expecting it to change is just kind of silly. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I could get pretty much everything you were saying, but not all of it. A little bit of it was cutting out. So wherever you were for like the first 20 minutes before... I have not moved. Okay. All right. Because this never happens. So it's usually... I mean, it, it, it makes me think how amazing it has been all this time that we've been uh, doing the, the recording of this podcast remotely, how we haven't had those moments. So uh, we'll, we'll keep it right there for now. Yeah, and so so is college different though? Should should there be a little bit more protection and safety? And are are any concerns about safety uh, less hollow and more real? Because there's a lot of obvious money in college football as well. The higher up you go, the more money there is to make. Obviously, the Big Ten, every team in the conference gets fifty million dollars a year for TV mm-hmm. money. Uh, so and then you know it's it, it's whatever three to five or seven million dollars every time the Huskers have a have a home game for the athletic department and another five or seven million for the city of Lincoln. Um, so a lot of people's money are at stake in college, not as many in the FCS level. And then you go down to division two and NAIA. Um, but uh, should there, yeah, should there be a different way of thinking the less money there is to be made when it comes to the priority of safety in, in the sport? I mean, I don't think that college football should necessarily be okay. Let's go to a 16 game schedule or anything like that. Yeah. But um, you know, is there more of an impetus on the NCAA? Absolutely. Um, because even though, you know, a small percentage of their players are going to go on to play professional and, and be highly compensated for playing, most of them aren't. And there should absolutely be everything, you should do everything you can to protect them. Again, you know, rules, equipment, anything you can do. Uh, but even still, I mean, again, the, these, these players are not being, you know, <laughs> drafted into the Army something that they they don't just choose to do like it's it's their passion it's the love of their life this is something that they can't wait to do that they love to do Mm -hmm. um and they do it knowing full well that there is some inherent risk um you know it's i certainly you know didn't play at the college level but you know i remember playing high school football and every time i ran into the field i was scared you know not scared to the degree that like you know i couldn't concentrate on what i was doing or whatever but like there's an inherent fear in knowing that you're doing, you're choosing to do something that could cause you serious bodily harm. Um, but I also did it every time. I never chickened out, and I miss it tremendously. You know, mm. like I said, I wish I could do it again. Yeah, um, that's just you know the the bargain I guess that every player makes themselves, and I think that that's why so many players that come out of it, you know, they kind of look at you know a Andre Waters, these players that obviously it ended tragically and they feel terrible for those guys, you know, and they wish that, you know, maybe something could have been done, you know, by, you know, their team, their teammates, someone in their family, if someone could have, you know, seen something uh, that maybe could have allowed them to give them the help that they needed mental illness wise before it got to that point, then sure. But I don't think you hear too many players, you know, even guys who are teammates 
of those sort of players going, oh, yeah, you know, he shouldn't have played football or none of us should have played football. I mean, it's it's something that, you know, everyone knows what they're getting into when they get into it. Well, one more health and safety issue. I want to go back to Kim Mulkey, and then we'll get to baseball. I can't believe I'm saying I want to go back to Kim Mulkey. Uh, she's one Me of the either. She's one of the worst people in sports, but her remarks were interesting. Matt Zimmer, John Gaskins, everybody, everybody, nobody's listening anyway. Uh, she said that uh, after this loss to UConn, great game Monday night uh, to in a bid to go to the Final Four. It allows UConn for, what, 14 straight trips to the Final Four. I don't think my words will matter, but they need to dump the COVID testing. Wouldn't be a shame to keep COVID testing, and you've got the kids You've got kids that end up testing positive or something, and they don't get to play in a Final Four. So you need to just forget the COVID test and let the four teams that are playing in each Final Four go battle it out. Um, yes, apparently Kim Mulkey is also Ross Perot. That's the that's the best I could do, my impression of a Southern woman and, and her angry accent. Um, but what, what did you truly make of those remarks beyond the fact that uh, UConn, uh, or Kim Mulkey's just trying to uh, get get UConn COVID and and die. I mean, her mask theatrics that night make it pretty obvious her where her stance is on all this. Um, she apparently is a, a denier, essentially. You know, she yeah. doesn't think it's worth taking seriously. She really hard to look like her mask causing her problem, even clearly was not. Um, don't give a shit what people like that think about. You know. Stick to basketball, basketball coach, and, and sh- shut up. That's that's pretty much my. Thing. But you're not a stick to sports kind of kind of person in general, are you? I mean, I I tend to do that myself, but that's my personal choice. I don't, you know, like the idea that people, you know, tell who like you know, someone says, "Oh, you should stick to sports," like, "Oh, you should stick to welding or whatever." I mean, and you know, it's yeah. I'll have a. Um, politics or whatever but that's just it coronavirus mass that's not politics that's public health yeah like it's stupid yeah i agree and uh so as nancy armor wrote covid has already killed more than 550,000 people in the united states alone over the last year cases plateauing after several weeks rising again medical experts of which milky is not milky is not one warning of the dangers of the new more contagious variants urging people to remain vigilant about wearing masks blah 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 so yeah anyway it would send the wrong message and um you know we've gotten lucky i guess we haven't had one ncaa men's or women's game as far as i know been oh, oregon i think oregon got out of the first round because their opponent vcu uh, i believe VC, it was yeah so that's pretty incredible really uh i kind of marvel at it but they're doing their best to be uh, to, to to create bubbles for these players and uh apparently it's it's ridiculous anything that we've seen locally at this level even at uh, say anything that's been involved in the pentagon the sanford pentagon to um to ensure health and safety of anybody going in there and watching the games and limiting the crowds blah 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 pales in comparison i'm guessing to whatever they're doing in indianapolis for the men and san antonio for the women so i don't need i don't i don't you know it certainly is something to worry about because it could happen but um well, from what we've seen of the NCAA tournament so far, which has been all conducted in one place in both cases, men and women, that uh, her, you know, her fatalistic uh, outlook is probably not going to come to fruition. So we'll move on. Uh, it, it, the opposite of fatalistic, of course, is how we all get, any of us who like baseball to any level, uh, oh, my husband's coming to tell me, we have d- dinners coming? Where are my keys? 
Uh, up here, windowsill. You need my car for something? You need to take it somewhere? Take it for a spin? Take the old Honda Fit for a spin? For a joyride? Tell you, Matt, the Honda Fit is especially a fun car to drive on these windy days, let me tell you. It is. I have a... I have a seven-ton pickup truck, so I don't have to worry about it. It is a dream boat on really win- on really windy days. Um, all right, good. We don't have to eat. We can still talk up until the point where you have to do uh, an interview in about 15 minutes. I told you I would hang up on you at 7 o'clock. I kind of want to go to 7 just to hear you hang up. That'll be kind of fun. <laughs> uh, baseball right around the corner. Uh, hope springs eternal. Optimism. And, look, I'll, I'll, we'll start with our own uh, Nobody's Listening Anyway preview of the Minnesota Twins with this question. And, again, the fine job on breaking it all down today. A one-stop shop, in case you haven't been brushing up on spring training, is Matt Zimmer's Argus Leader Twins preview column. Uh, can we, because you mentioned it within the first paragraph or two, and I get it, the overview of the Twins are, yeah, they should be really good and make the playoffs again this year, but they'll probably lose when they get there. Is there, is, is there any way to just kind of separate those two thoughts, to be excited about how many games they could potentially win? Uh, uh, and, and, all, and what appears to be the bright spots weighing a lot more uh, the, on the scales than the weaknesses? or is Because uh, I know you're going to watch and I know you're going to enjoy it uh, uh, be- well, before they get to the playoffs. I mean, I think it's a little easier to do that because the season's so long. You know, you don't have to think about the playoffs for six months. And also, that's one of the great things about baseball and one of the reasons why the season is so long. Um, you know, it, it's kind of about the journey and enjoying the process and, you know, the rhythm of games every day and kind of following the ins and outs and the ups and downs. And uh, when you've got a good team, when, you're, when your team is a good team, um, that makes for a fun summer. I mean, it's fun to watch a team that, wins more than they loses and and wins more than they lose and, and puts things together um, the way the twins have done the last few years. Um, I think getting swept last year by Houston made the playoff curse thing much more real and worse because you probably remember John before last year, we didn't even call it a playoff curse. We called it a Yankee curse. Remember it was always, Oh, well, this was the Yankees. You can't beat the Yankees. And I myself was kind of starting to to back away from that a little bit and go, is it really the Yankees? You know, because it's not like they won the World Series all those years that they beat the Twins in the playoffs. In fact, most of the time they did not. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of getting to the point where it's like, all right, maybe it's just, a, you know, they don't match up with them well, whatever. But when they got the Astros, the worst team in the playoffs, in an expanded playoff field, did they? I think they had a losing record. I think they were like 29 and 31. Don't quote me on that. But they were the the bottom seed. Um, the Twins had home field advantage. It's a best, you know, it's just like, okay, this is this is it. You know, they're, they're finally going to win their first round series. And then, yeah, maybe they'll lose to the Yankees or whoever in the second round. But at least, you know, they finally got to play someone else. It's going to be an inferior team. They're going to win. And not only did they, you know, not win the series, but they got swept again. The streak has now reached 18 games. And I like Rocco Baldelli as the Twins manager, but not only did he, in my opinion, do a terrible job of managing that series, um, but I think the silver lining was, I think that woke him up a little bit. His quotes before the Astros playoff series and after the Astros playoff series illustrated a guy who learned some shit 
you know mm. like i think before that he was very much like that streak is not it's not a thing you know we're not even going to acknowledge it like the guys that are on this team had nothing to do with most of it yeah we got swept by the yankees the year before but you know so at most the guys here have been apart for three of those i guess the streak would have been 16 at the time he was very dismissive of it that kind of pissed me off at the time but i also you know seeing it from his point of view like okay i get it like what's he supposed to do like take responsibility for games that joe nathan blew 15 years ago like i get it but then you get swept again again by a bad team when you have home field advantage everything's working in your favor that's when it's kind of like all right you know you don't get to play that card anymore and to Rocco's credit he very much seemed after the series to be like okay yeah i think i get it now like it this is a thing and this is something that we can't we can't continue to pretend that it's not a thing we can't keep saying like oh whatever you know like they, they have to own it at some point because now he's 0-5 as the, as a Twins playoff manager. Mm. That ain't any better than Gardy. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, assuming they make the playoffs again, and I'll be really surprised if they don't. They've got a really good team. I know the White Sox have a good team too, but I think um, even if the Twins don't win the division, it, it's hard not to see them being a wild card team at least, unless you know they get totally ravaged by injuries or something. Um, but it'll be interesting to see when the playoffs come around sort of what the to take the team's temperature at that time you know like how are they approaching it this time are they going to be a little bit more forthright about like yeah this is a major thing this is a hex that we've got on our backs and we you know we got to find a way to 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 end it to to slay the dragon so to speak because as i mentioned in my column today like i used to kind of rely on the law of averages sort of like it's got to end eventually you know it just it just can't you just can't lose that many games in a row but you know what yeah you can (laughs) <laughs> they have clearly proven that they can um, because it's only, you know, two, three games at a time. Yeah. If the twins played 25 playoff games in one month, they, they would win one. Yes. But when you only have two or three at a time, they have cl- clearly proven themselves very capable of getting swept year after year, after year, after year. And uh, it's one of those things where it's, it's just not going to be over till it, till it ends. Well, Thad Levine had an interesting thing on this too. Maybe there's been a, a twins wide um, message they want to get everybody on the same message in case they all going to ask this question, because uh, you said maybe Baldelli is uh, coming around to it. So here's Thad Levine, Yahoo Sports uh, Q and A, and obviously Thad's uh, is he the I can't I, I don't know if Falvey or Levine is the official GM, but they're Levine's title is GM, but he is second in command to Falvey there in the go. baseball hierarchy. Okay. Uh, so Levine is asked, do you ever think about the postseason curse? And Levine says, quote, I think the answer to that is supposed to be no. You know, the reality of it, of it is that so much, there's the IPA talking, that so much of it predated my participation in the organization and predated a lot of our players and coaches. So as we get into September, as we clinch playoff spots, it becomes such a dominating theme of stories told about the Twins, like no one writes a story at that time without referencing the consecutive playoff losses. I would say pretty objectively outside of that timeline, time frame, nobody thinks about it too much in terms of the people most directly connected to the team. And by and large, a lot of our players have no idea about it because they just haven't been part of it for long enough mm-hmm. to have it really hurt and be personal to them. That being said, Thad Levine continues, 
It's clearly an ominous cloud that hangs over our fan base, and if we could give them no gift than to shirk that, it seems as if they could breathe a little bit easier. There's a weight on their chest which is certainly impeding freedom of deep breaths, so we (laughs) would like to give them that gift. Wow. Maybe he had a couple IPAs before that. That is... uh, as a fan, I think that's exactly what you want to hear. Beauty, of course. I, yes. Yeah, I like that. Good for him. Um, and I think he doesn't quite come out and say it, but it almost sounds like he's hinting. What I would say is that just win a fucking game. Yeah. You know, you don't even have to win a series yet. Win a game. End of the streak. <laughs> if the Twins lose a, a first round playoff series to the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Rays or whoever this year. Three games to one, three games to two. Hey, baby steps, man. Yeah. We'll come back in 2022, and maybe then we can finally win a series. All right. Well, well I don't know. Maybe just winning a game, <laughs> you know, gets the monkey off your back, and then and then you race to a World Series title. I don't know. It's but like – Just start by winning a game. Yeah. Start by winning a game. What if they do win, and it's a target field? The place will go ape shit, and uh, – and it'll almost excuse them for losing another series. Almost. It's like the when the Timberwolves made the playoffs for the first time in 17 years, about three years ago, with Thibs and Jimmy and Cat and Wiggy. And uh, that, that place was just electric to win one playoff game uh, as a number eight seed because they were there. But I, you know, I don't believe in a curse. I do believe that... Uh, that the collective consciousness of the fans and, of course, the media is going to bring it up, and I don't think that's the media's fault for for bringing it up every time the playoffs start when the Twins get back there. Um, I I do believe there's some sort of effect it does have on the players where they do feel the pressure, and they might not perform as well because they're probably a little tight because they do feel some sort of the burden, even though the past playoff losses are not on their tab. I mean, I guess for a lot of the guys on this team – last year's was and 2017's was and I believe they made it in 2019 they did as well um, so some of it's on their tab but the, you know the 18 years of it worth not but there's still I, I get it there's that you hear about it and you hear about it and uh, so it, it does have some effect I think Baldelli was the biggest reason last time he put he those first two games against the Astros he kept the starting pitchers in there too long and uh, no, he did the opposite he took took them out too early that's what i meant yeah. I, ipa talking <laughs> yes he took them he yes he took them out too early that is what i meant and uh so he i think is uh, you know and i believe you said this when we did uh, the full post-mortem right after the series was over he had a lot to do with it and hopefully he's learned you know i it, it hopefully he's learned but that's again i think you'd agree playing and managing playoff games a lot different from playing and managing most regular season games because it's the marathon, not the sprint. So, uh, what are you thinking for Twins' number of wins? Are, are they getting back to the playoffs? Yeah, I think they're going to win a minimum of ninety-three games, and they could threaten a hundred again. Um, the Indians, or I mean, the White Sox, are significantly better. Uh, they made some big offseason acquisitions, although they recently lost one of their best hitters to a season-ending injury. So there's that. Uh, the Indians pitching should still be great, uh, but they're not going to score any runs. Royals and Tigers aren't ready yet. Uh, and then I think, again, it, it'll come down to a little bit, what are some of the other teams in the other divisions that are threatening the wild card? Because, um, you know, the Rays, the Yankees, those, you know, kind of some of those usual suspects are going to be there. Um, but I would not at all be surprised if the Twins and White Sox uh, are both in the playoffs. Player-wise, who are you most excited to see? 
Andrelton Simmons, the shortstop. Uh, I, I love that signing. I just love watching great shortstops play. Uh, the Twins have struggled over the years to develop a, a really good one. Jorge Polanco, you know, was the starting shortstop in the All Star game a couple of years ago, um, but that was largely for his hitting. He's a good offensive player. He's not a great shortstop. Give him all the credit in the world for being more than happy to move over to second base. Yeah. Um, Simmons is supposed to be, has, you know, the best defensive shortstop in the game over the last two years. He's getting a little older, um, but he still should be really good. Um, you put him at short. You move Polanco to second. And then if you have a healthy Byron Buxton and I, you know, knocking on yep. wood on that. Yep. And then, uh, and, and also Josh Donaldson, who, who was not healthy last year. But if those guys are all healthy, you know, we talk about the Bomba squad and all the runs the Twins scoring, uh, but their defense is going to be so much better if all those guys can stay healthy, which in turn will make their pitching an awful lot better. So that's the big thing is I just want that up the middle sort of core to stay healthy because if they do, the Twins are going to be really freaking yeah, good. Byron Buxton to me, uh, I, I, I... He'd be an MVP candidate if he played a full slate. I really think so. If you want to, if you if you seriously factor in fielding to the mix, the impact that he makes on the base paths to be able to beat routine groundouts like nobody else can, and obviously be a threat to steal bases and 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 change a pitcher's frame of mind where it affects his his pitching because you have to worry about Buxton stealing bases and the ability to, you know, get home from first base like nobody else can. Uh, is is that is that unfair? Is that is that going too far? Because to I think he he's as exciting of a player as there is to watch. And I'm I'll be full I'll be fully um, up front here. The Twins are about the only team I ever watch, so I get it. It's a it's a vacuum. It's a bubble that I live in. But I can't imagine too many players that are more exciting to watch and that have more of an impact on the game combo of offense and defense. I mean, last year he hit home runs at a 30, 40 home run pace. Yeah. Uh, when you play that kind of defense, and like you mentioned, the the impact you make on the base pass, I don't think he's ever going to be a 300 hitter. But if he's hitting 260, 270 with 30 homers and that kind of de- he should even 20 homers with that kind of defense, yeah, you're talking about one of the 10 most valuable players in the game. Right, and maybe a lot of times most valuable players just best player, and you got to have these great stats. But uh, I mean, in 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 game where there's relatively low scoring and every run matters, it's it's amazing what the kind of difference he can make once or twice or three times a game. Um, so I'm always he's always the guy I'm most forward to looking to watch play. Uh, now we could we could go with concerns here because uh, Max Kepler, <laughs> man, he hits uh, 36 homers in 2019 as part of the Bomba squad. Last year he goes 228, nine home runs in those 60 games, and uh, 0 for 32 until Saturday in spring training. Now I get it; it is spring training, but he apparent for those who have been following the team, he looks awful. Um, how much stock do you take into the spring training part of it, combined with uh, uh, a, re- a regression last year? Not too much. I think he played a little over his head in 2019. That was his career year. He's never going to be a high batting average guy. I'd get him out of the leadoff spot, and I think they are this year. Um, but, you know, he's going to be a guy who's going to hit 240 with hopefully 25, 30 home runs, and he's a really good outfielder. He'd be a good center fielder. He's... Whenever Buxton gets hurt, he moves over to center, and he's obviously not as good as Buxton, but he's good. Then you put him in right next to Buxton, um, and all of a sudden you got an outfield that covers a lot of ground. And I, I, I don't, I don't worry about spring training numbers. I really don't. I mean, we've seen there've been tons of guys over the years who have batted 400 in spring training and then did absolutely nothing once the season started. And we've seen guys who couldn't buy a hit in spring training, and once the real game started, 
were their usual selves. Um, yeah. you'd, you'd rather see it the other way around, but until he, you know, if he gets off to an 0-for-20 start in the regular season, then I guess I'd start worrying a little bit. Man, we're down to like just a minute left. Oh, my clock just hit 2-6.59. Uh, man, we've we've only skimmed the surface because there's the pitching of the uh, one-two combo of Maeda and Barrios. Uh, it's nice to not have the Barrios theme of uh, is he an ace worthy or not. Then there is Sano, who I was interested to see who you would write about. And uh, boy, he's a strikeout machine. But as you mentioned, uh, he makes up for it in other ways. I don't know if I should keep talking until you hang up or I'm going to hand the baton <laughs> to you. Because uh, I know we have to wrap it up. There's more twins to talk. Fortunately, next week we uh, we will have games to have talked about. Right. So do you... Uh, well. I'll talk a little about the pitching because the reason I have to go is I'm going to talk to Caleb Fieldbar in a minute. I talked to him earlier today and I will be, he told me to call him at seven o'clock. So when's, I'm calling him at seven o'clock. When's, when's the story coming out on him? It's not a story about him. It's for a different story. I did a story on him last summer, but anyway, um, Caleb Fieldbar is part of what I think is going to be the, an underrated strength of the team. Their bullpen is going to be really good. Uh, they lost a couple guys, uh, uh, yeah, they lost Clippard. Trevor May, they didn't they? Trevor May. They lost that. Well, Zach Littell sucked by the end of it. But, but, yeah, they lost a lot of guys, but they go out and get Alex Colomay was the White Sox closer. They basically have two closers now. They can have Colomay as their right-handed closer, Taylor Rogers as their left-handed closer. they still got Tyler Duffy, who's really good. They brought in Hansel Robles from the Angels, who's coming off a bad year. But two years ago, the last full season, he was the Angels closer, had like 24 saves. Uh, they got a lot of arms in that bullpen, and they're also loaded in the minor leagues. I mean, there's – seven, eight, nine, ten guys uh, that aren't going to make this team, that are going to be playing in St. Paul, uh, that would make the team in a lot of other clubs. So I think their depth uh, is really one of the most underrated parts of their team. And it, it's all around, all across the board. They have reinforcements ready offensively, defensively, pitching, starting pitching, bullpen. And that's why I'm just so confident that I, I think they should be a playoff team, is yeah. even if a few things go wrong. I mean, last year they – the, the quote-unquote Bomba squad, they scored like a run and a half less per game or something last year. Like, they did not have a great offensive no. team last year statistically, uh, oh. but they still won the division. If, if they have any sort of bounce back from their offense uh, in 2021, they should not have difficulty winning 90-something games. Well, Zim, I'm so glad we waited until uh, the end of the Elite Eight uh, and, and delayed this two days so we could talk all about that Final Four field that is that is set <laughs> so we could do this podcast. Uh, get out of like here. Like anyone gives a shit about Gonzaga. And yeah. And say, hi to, say hi to Caleb for me. See you later. I, I will do that. Man, Bye. that would have been – he should have hung up. He's, he should have hung up on himself. He said he would hang up, and then he insisted on doing another minute or two about the Twins' bullpen. Ladies and gentlemen, he's, uh, those, were, uh, those were idle threats. But it still would have been more fun if he would have just hung up. He should have hung up on himself while he was talking there. Yes, uh, yeah, there were bigger priorities on this podcast, uh, locally and regionally, than uh, what's going on with the uh, NCAA tournament. It is one of the more uh, least interesting Final Four fields, uh, but... You know, something cool might happen that we'll talk about next Monday or Tuesday if we decide to wait an extra day uh, because of Monday night's championship game for NCAA men's hoops. Uh, so in the meantime, boy, uh, your, your brackets might still be doing okay. Maybe you are in those kind of bracket challenges that reset every round so you still have a chance to win something or not, or you're doing draft kings or something like that. Or maybe you just still like the ends. You just like watching games and you want a good excuse to get out and go. 
Well, guess what? Um, the Gateway Lounge is the place for you. It's already been the place with the best deals and the best atmosphere, the best setup to watch the uh, Final Four. It is, uh, it's got a great theater setting in there. What I mean by that is, uh, yes, there's windows, yes, there's daylight, but where the TVs are placed, uh, you can see them clearly. There's not glare, and they're placed uh, along the ceiling together at once. So no matter where your head moves, uh, you're not, you don't have to look far to see any pertinent game at the same time. And when it's one game or two games going on at one time, you know, a couple of main things to hone in on, then it's even more fun because the whole bar is watching it and reacting to it. And uh, they got great deals on drinks and on food. And one day, Matt and I will be there again at the Gateway Lounge to do this podcast. Hopefully, uh, the vaccination rates continue around here. Um, people continue to go out and get vaccinated. That will be uh, a very promising sign. But... Uh, Jackson and the crew are being very creative on social media to advertise what they got going on there. And uh, I have no doubt they're going to have something cool lined up for this weekend on West 41st Street, just off of the I-29 West 41st Street exit. It's the Gateway Lounge, the gateway to your heart, the gateway to your soul, the gateway to your taste buds. Uh, For Matt Zimmer, I'm John Gaskins. We'll talk again next week. We may even talk about the Canaries' new ownership and uh, why it's going to be a whole new ball game at the Birdcage for you and your family and your friends this summer. It goes well beyond baseball. And uh, I'm excited to learn more about it from our new owners as, a, as an employee of the team. And uh, we'll get Zim's thoughts. He's been a, a local baseball advocate for years. We'll do that next week. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast. And... Uh, I guess once again, somebody's been listening to nobody's been listening anyway. After all, you did. Right, Matt Zimmer? Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Yes. Yeah.